Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 321. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 210, 10 years later, which is their, of course, 10-year anniversary episode. Can you believe there's been 210 episodes? I was actually sitting there trying to do the math. I'm like, that feels like it's too large or too small. What the hell? Yeah, I know. And we've, I think we started covering them at like, Episode 60, something, something like that. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So, wow, it's been a while. So, yes, we are going to recap that, but we figured because of the events of time of this recording last Friday, we needed to start with something that we haven't done for a while. We're going to start this out with the weekly sit rep. And it's kind of a sucky situation all around, I think, yeah. because of the announcement of the Supreme Court repealing Roe v. Wade. And. Yeah. A lot of the frustration comes from the people not accepting why everyone is angry about that. I mean, a bunch of people are saying, look, it hasn't outlawed abortion. It's just thrown you know, the decisions back to the state. Well, there are a lot of states that have outlawed it. And yeah. you can say, oh, if you don't like it, you can move. People don't always have that fucking option. I mean, no. this is you know, the um, Bishop Curry of the Episcopal Church. He released a statement about this, and he's not happy because he's says he worked with poverty-stricken regions for 40 years, and he said this will disproportionately affect the poor. And if you're doing something like that, you haven't really solved any problems because the rich people will still be able to travel, get around the law, pay for a private doctor, and the poor will not. So you're just punishing people more for being poor, and I do not think you're improving people's lives by having children be born to people who didn't want them and can't afford to care for them. Yep. And you've got some people who have voted for this, you know, who believe in this because of religious reasons, whatever. Um, but there are there is this undercurrent going on of the idea that the majority of abortions that happen in this country are still being done by white people. So if you outlaw all abortions, there will be more white babies born. And that is done by people white people who are afraid that they're going to be outnumbered because they're racist. So yes, I mean, this is not just a religious thing. This is not just against women. It is also very much a racist thing. And all the people who say, well, you don't have to worry about women dying of ectopic pregnancies or miscarriages or things like that, because there's always an exception for the health and life of the mother. But who is writing these exceptions is what I want to know. It's probably by the same people who would get up and say that women generally don't get impregnated by rape because the female body can shut the process down. I believe that's exactly how that idiot politician that I won't name mentioned it. And I don't know, you have so many cases that you can find out from women who their fetus was no longer viable, but they were not allowed to get the abortion, which is how you solve a problem like that, because there was still a heartbeat and they had to wait until the fetus was dead. And then you run the risk of having sepsis and the woman dying. And lady from my church today told a very personal story about her first child that she and her husband wanted very much and being told that the pregnancy was no longer viable and she had to go through the procedure. And she said if she had not had that option, it would have probably been several weeks of her just waiting for the baby that she really wanted to die inside her. And I can't imagine a more nightmarish situation than that. Yep, yep. Also, there's the idea that this law, the laws that are going in place right now, I mean, it's outlawing abortion, but it also, you know, of course, prosecutes women for getting an abortion and 
also prosecutes women who've had a miscarriage because the idea that the miscarriage, quote unquote, could have been brought out by, you know, drugs that will actually stop a pregnancy. And apparently there are some women who have been arrested already because they had a miscarriage and they're being thrown in jail for something that was out of their control. You know, it's just there's no, a lot of these laws that have come in, there's no wiggle room by design because they don't care. You know, it's just, it's the cruelty is the point. And if this wasn't all horrifying enough, Justice Thomas has actually said that because they were able to rethink this, they should rethink the Supreme Court decisions that allow birth control, that allow same-sex marriage. Now, he didn't specifically mention Loving versus Virginia, which is what allowed interracial marriage, but you know that would be on the chopping block, too. You know that. I mean, anyone who says, we're just opening this up to the states is saying it's going to be fine because states will then vote on what rights everybody is going to have. And I'm like, no, that none of that makes any sense at all. And it doesn't, even if people were able to move from one state that doesn't allow something to a state where it does, rights shouldn't be determined at the state line. We shouldn't have 50 different versions of how many rights somebody gets. Yeah, especially since there's so much gerrymandering going around that minorities and people who are poor, people who are less, I don't know, attractive for the people who are trying to get elected, it's gerrymandered so their votes will count less or they're not able to vote at all or, you know, it's just there's so much voter suppression, which brings me to the one thing that we did want to say. Um, Because we don't want to rant about this too long. Um, But there's a lot of people who say, oh, voting doesn't matter. And if voting didn't matter, there wouldn't be so many attempts to stop people from voting. You know, that's that's why it definitely matters. And it is also really frustrating, we know, to have people say, you know, well, you got to get out there and vote for the people who protect your rights. And we're like, we thought we already did. But it is true, though, that voting is literally the least thing you can do. I mean, anything else less than that, and you're just sitting back and letting it happen. And you may or may not believe that voting helps, um, but it certainly can't hurt. So this is just try to concentrate on the things that you can do, the this causes you can support, get out there and vote, encourage people you know to vote. Anything has got to be better. I mean, voter turnout is always low, like way lower than you would imagine. And right now, the only way things get changed is if people vote. I know that that is not the end-all be-all, but we absolutely have to do that. And keep talking, please, because I think there are still people who don't understand the problem, and they don't understand how much this affects people. People I care about who a pregnancy could kill them, could literally kill them. If they got pregnant and were not able to get an abortion, they would die. And this isn't, you can try to say that all of these examples are just fear-mongering and they're not very common, but we're talking thousands of people that would just, I mean, that it's a given that this would be the worst case scenario for them. And their lives matter, even if they're only like a percentage of the country that you don't seem to think matters. So yeah, Yeah. just please, everybody vote, keep talking. If you can, go out and protest, but make sure you remember that if you get arrested, you have to tell the police officer, I request to speak with my court-appointed attorney because they don't have to bring one out if you don't ask for one. Exactly, exactly. Oh my God. Also, there's a lot of people online who are, with all the best intentions in the world, saying, you know, if you are pregnant and you need a place to stay because you need to go to another city, I will absolutely put you up. I will give you a ride. I will do all this kind of stuff. You have to be very careful about that because just by the fact that they have put that out there in public, 
they could be targeted by the police and therefore you could be targeted. So try to look for organizations that already exist to help with that. I mean, well-meaning people are well-meaning, but you really be very, very careful. Um, I don't know, more as, as we find out more stuff, we'll certainly try and communicate that. We just, we figured for the record, we wanted to let you know where our political ideations lie, but if you're listening to this podcast, how could you not know? I mean, this is 321 episodes we've done of this. I think we've been fairly clear. I would hope so. Okay, anyway, um, moving on to, I guess, more cheerful subjects. This is a welcome to Night Vale. This episode did drop 12 days ago, so no, they didn't mention anything about the current stuff going on, and the fact that it's 12 days after it happened is so typical for us. It really is. I think that's just very appropriate for the 10-year anniversary for us to be doing it freaking late. Oh, God, of course. But yes, 10 years and the whole episode was just a delightful little retrospective and recap and lots of callbacks to storylines. Now, it starts out with Cecil getting ready to spring his surprise on Carlos, and his surprise is a certificate telling Carlos that he is now officially a member of Night Vale because he's been here for 10 years. And I'm just like, uh, he wasn't already, but anyway, never mind that. Um, so he wants to talk a little bit about the stuff that's been happening in the last 10 years or updates on characters we've seen before. So he starts with Dana Cardinal, the former mayor who also used to be an intern. And apparently she's now working as a therapist, but she's an unlicensed therapist, I guess, because Cecil wanted to know, don't you need some like medical training or something for that? And then she changes the subject. So I think she's, she's spunky. She'll be fine. Yes. She's also very happy to be living a quiet life where she's not responsible for as many people as she was when she was a mayor. And she's also not being talked about on the radio all the time. Um, Never mind. Moving on. So. <laughs> um, there's also a little discussion about the lights over the Arby's, which has mm-hmm. been part of Nightville canon for so long. I'm shocked that it took us this long to find out that they are no longer the lights over the Arby's. They are now the lights over the Burger King. Yeah. And also the Arby's, it was... It's the Arby's that had been there forever, the Arby's shoe store. And then that went out of business and it was replaced by the Burger King, which I believe is a sports store. And I'm like, it's typical. Yeah, absolutely typical. And I think it's so fun that there is just all this fan art out there of Carlos and Cecil sitting in front of the Arby's watching the lights in the sky. And it's definitely the Arby's logo and everything. So I, I do... I don't know. The idea that that was a shoe store this entire time, that's just hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, but you know what? I'm sure the sign was still the same. Oh, probably. probably that same Arby's sign. There's some convoluted reason why it was shaped that way when it was actually a shoe store or a sports store, whatever. But we move on from there. Uh, Carlos is a little delayed. He's stopping by at the store. So Cecil jumps into another person that he knows and loves. It's Steve Carlsberg. And the 10 years of their relationship is pretty much the same as it is now. He's always been close to Steve and he's always liked the guy. And I'm like, Cecil. (laughs) (laughs) I've never, I guess it's hard to see him being in denial. I think he just actually believes that. Like he's wiped the entire Steve Carlsberg out of his memory entirely. Although he now has replaced that with his Susan Willman hatred or Hunter Mm -hmm. Carr as she's now heard. His his description of that, ugh. That's it's pretty much exactly the same way he felt about Steve Carlsberg. He's I guess that's Cecil's default. He's gotta have somebody to hate on, but 
We jump from there to the sponsors, which was this sort of weird, almost poetic walking in the dunes and the alarm clocks and dreams and eggs and orange rinds. Coke Zero. It's almost as if we weren't. Okay. Yeah, I did like that one phrase. There is no limit to what we can accomplish with eggs. <laughs> Fine. Sure. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And Cecil thinks it's Carlos is about to step in through the door. Oh, no, it's his niece, Janice. And she wants to talk to him because she wants to get more credits for college. So she's wondering about an internship. And Cecil's response is no. <laughs> yes. It's just this long string of like, no, no, that's a terrible idea. Any, Basically anywhere but here. Why? I don't know why. I just don't want you to intern here. So at least he's aware enough to know how terrible an idea that would be. (laughs) And before Janice leaves, though, she tells him that she spotted Carlos uh, and he was outside of the Ralphs and he was talking to Telly the barber. And we had actually thought about him before we started listening to the episode. And apparently he had this whole redemption arc that I guess we should have remembered, but I entirely forgotten where Carlos forgave him. No, it wasn't even that Carlos forgave him for the haircut. Carlos told him that he had loved the haircut and that was all that mattered. And I thought that's very sweet. Cecil, however, still has not forgiven Telly for that. So I think Cecil needs to let that go. Yeah, seriously, it's been a really long time. That was the first uh, that was the first season, possibly like the second episode, I think. I think, I think it's been it was. a while, Cease. Yeah, no, we can we can stop that now. He jumps from there to talking about Tamika Flynn. Uh, in 10 years ago, it was her pre-summer reading program, pre-Strex Corp, pre-everything. Um, she still chucks books at bad people, but she doesn't do it quite as much anymore. Yeah, but she was 11 years old when all that started, when she first oh, brought out the head of a librarian and saved the day for the summer reading program and just man and I love the fact that they've gotten a really good voice actress for her now so because she is great she's so kick-ass Symphony Sanders is the best Mm -hmm. I love her Uh, from there we went to the house that doesn't exist Uh, which is something that was left over from the old oak doors episode Mm -hmm. I think and it's one of those if you've forgotten about it it's a house that should exist because you can look at it and there's two identical houses next to it so it would make more sense for it to exist than for it to not exist but yet it doesn't exist and that was where it's a portal to the desert otherworld that Carlos had stepped through, but then the old oak doors wouldn't let him back because he wasn't officially a member of Nightvale then, but he is now. So it's fine. And I'm wondering, is this going to come back at some point? Because Cecil did make sure to say that, that the house that doesn't exist, even though it's now been bulldozed, I think as part mm-hmm. of their trying to improve the housing problem, um, yeah, it's still a portal to the um, desert otherworld. So that's yep. got to come up in the future, I think. I love how he described that. It's been bulldozed and in order to, you know, fix the housing problem, instead of the house that doesn't exist, it's now the apartment complex that doesn't exist. (laughs) I mean, if you look at it and it's right there, it makes more sense for it to exist than not. So yeah, very nice callback and also an upgrade, which I like. Okay, so finally, Carlos shows up and they got Dylan Marin to come in to do the voice, which I can't remember when the last time was that we got to hear from him, but he is just so sweet. And Cecil presents him with the certificate and says, and I designed it myself. And you hear Carlos go, I know you did, sweetie. You sure do love Comic Sans. Like, oh, Aww. we're going to have to try not to hold that against uh, Cecil. Yeah, I know. 
I, I feel like I could actually do a graphic design of that certificate because I'm sure Cecil downloaded it from some pre-made thing and it's got like a golfer on it and says congrats to the grad and everything. And now I'm picturing it and it's got comic sans and everything. And I could design it, but I feel like it would be a crime against humanity. So won't, but. <laughs> but anyway, Carlos is very overwhelmed and he is so overwhelmed that Cecil decides to take us right to the weather. Mm-hmm. And the weather was 10 years later by Joseph Fink. And it's very sweet. It's basically talking about this was a thing that a bunch of friends decided to do together and we had absolutely no idea it was going to take off and we thank you very much for going on the ride with us. Yeah, one of the lines was we didn't even know what Tumblr was at the time. So I thought that was, yeah, it was a lovely, clear guitar playing in the background that I like Mm -hmm. very much. And otherwise that is just, it's so earnest and goofy. It's just perfect. Yeah, it is. We come back from the weather and it's just Carlos talking, but he's not talking to Cecil, apparently. He's talking to us, and he's talking about the past and the present and the future and talks about how time is both finite and infinite, but never infinite enough, which I'm like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's a very stream of consciousness sort of thing. It it reminded me a little bit of his speech from the episode Condos, which remains one of my favorite episodes. But he just, he talks about the fact that he really didn't need a certificate to show that he belongs to the town because he says, this town belongs to me. And just about the fact that his son was born in Night Vale, his husband was born in Night Vale. He's, He's basically been part of the town history from the moment he appeared, which is very true because it was the first episode. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You got that right. But yeah, it's it's really very sweet, and especially when he says that you know he doesn't need the piece of paper, but it is a very cute piece of paper, and he's going to hang it up in his lap, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. And he says, here's to Night Vale forever, however long forever is. Like, mm. so many t-shirt moments and fan art moments in this episode. I mean, so that's quotable. Great. Yeah. And then Cecil comes in, and you find out that Cecil wasn't in the room for all of that. Carlos was speaking. Cecil had gone off to feed the kittens, but Carlos was speaking to the radio, which is being recorded. So Cecil's like, oh, I hope he was excited. I'll listen to it later. And I'm like, oh, he's going to love it when he listens to it. It's very sweet. But he talks about, you know, it's been 10 years, and he said that's not long in the grand scheme of things, but we don't live in the grand scheme. Another quotable moment. Just amazing. And he said, thank you all for listening. This has all mattered to me, and I really hope that it mattered to you. Stay tuned for the voice of a woman saying a bunch of names for some reason, and then a proverb. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) So many callbacks, so many just shout-outs to the fans. Yes, and of course, Meg Bashwinter comes in and does her usual credits and then reads a little proverb. What was the proverb? Uh, The proverb was, hey, thanks. So sweet. And then we start to go off into the closing theme, and then we get this announcement that suddenly breaks in and it's like a call being left on a voicemail message and it's a woman's voice who we don't recognize but she's from the university of what it is and Kareem got in touch with them about Night Vale. She's very excited. They're sending some representatives to check it out to figure out why Night Vale is what it is and uh, they hope to see him soon and I'm like, oh, okay. I think we just heard the next storyline starting. Yeah, that's right. And then we were really surprised because boom, the episode just ends. There's no more closing music after that. It's just done. We're like, oh, that was it. Very appropriate 10-year episode, I think. I never would have thought that this would go on for 10 years when we started listening to it. And now I want to go back and listen to the first episode again. I mean, it's only like 21 minutes long, uh, but I just, I mean, everything 
that I think I've loved about Night Vale is pretty much distilled into that first episode. They've managed to oh, yeah. stick with these themes for this entire time and yet still come up with really new, weird stuff to entertain us with. Yeah, we've mentioned it before, but I just remember listening to that first episode and you hear Cecil say, and now the weather and a song starts. And I remember sitting at my desk and looking you know, at the computer where it was playing and being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> So that will wrap us up for Night Vale. Anything else you've been watching or consuming in any way this week? Um, I still haven't watched any more Peaky Blinders. You kind of have to have the energy for that, I think. But you had said something interesting about the actress who plays Gina in uh, yeah, Peaky Blinders. Yeah. She's so good. She's really good. But I really feel like she's in a different series than everybody else. There's something, her performance is good, but it, it feels sort of off from everybody else's, I guess. And it could be because I believe she is British American. One of her parents is South American and the other one is um, Scottish American, perhaps. Yes, Scottish, uh, Scottish, British. I don't know. I mean, she spent a lot of time in Argentina. It's possible that there's an accent thing that's going on because she's playing an American in the show. But there's there's a lot of stuff going into that accent. So that may be part of it. But I mean, she's very, very good. But it, it is odd watching her sometimes. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff I'm watching. I'm rewatching Arcane, of course. And I'm Aww. I'm noticing so much more this time around. Like I knew, I think it's Savinia was the uh, the um, Silco's henchwoman with the mechanical yes. arm. So I knew yeah. she had a mechanical arm, but it wasn't until re-watching the scene where Powder set off that magic gemstone and just basically murdered a bunch of people that you actually see the moment when she dives in front of Silco and her arm just gets disintegrated. Oh, oh, I totally missed no, that. No, no, I, I missed that. And then uh, at one point, Jinx has her tied up because she wants to threaten her to get information about who is this mysterious person that they're looking for. It turns out to be her sister. And, you know, she just gets up in her face and said, I feel like we got off on the wrong arm here. And that makes so much more sense when you realize that this woman knows that it's Jinx's fault that she doesn't have an arm anymore. But, yeah. I mean, other little things like Jinx going into that old playroom where they all were, where, you know, they had the little the boxing machine and everything. And a crow drops down and startles her and she takes out a gun and the crow's just kind of looking at her and she kind of looks at it and then shoots it and it like obliterates it and then blows off the uh, smoke from her gun. Well, later on in that episode when she's kind of like gotten her confidence back after talking with Selko, she's going through the book that has all the notations that she stole. The right. bookmarks are crow feathers and that is just oh. such a fantastic little detail, but I did not get that the first time around. So this series does bear repeated watchings I think. Which is amazing. I mean, I really, the whole reason why I hadn't started watching it, I'm like, oh, it's for League of Legends? Yeah, it's going to be a commercial, but it, it's it's not. I can't even, we've said that so many times, but I really can't even say that anymore. I don't, I don't think the creators really care one way or the other if you decide to play the game. They just had a really good story to tell and some really amazing designers. Wow. Uh, other thing, how much of this season's Love, Death, and Robots have you watched now? Oh, okay. So I've watched the one about the rats. Yes, which is, which is also... Yeah. Vi- the theme of this uh, year was violence. Yeah. Lots more than the previous seasons, I think. And the one I watched the other day, which kind of reminds me about the one about the vampire in the first series. But this is a bunch of soldier guys, and there is like a 
Cybertronic Bear, I think, that got out oh, of control. Oh, God, yes, the Kill Squad Kill, I think, was that episode. Holy, I think so. Oh, you want to talk about violence. Why? It just never stops. It's just, but it's funny. I don't know how they <laughs> did that. So much of it is really funny, man. Um, the episode Jabaro is actually made by the animator who did The Witness and the Windshield Wipers short. Oh, no way. Yeah, oh, wow. and I think it's it's really weird, and it's good. I mean, the animation is amazing, but it is the story about a siren and a meeting between her and a soldier, a, a knight, who happens to be deaf. And you think the story is going to be one thing, and it is not at all. And I really appreciated how the animator, he took the concept of the siren, and it's usually like, you know, a a woman who's very sexy and lures people in with her song. Okay, this is a creature that only looks like a woman. And it's, he made it freaking scary and also beautiful and just crazy and chaotic and violent and yeah it's very good i think it's probably one of the better ones of the entire season i still have never liked any of the seasons as much as that first season but yeah yeah. there's still some some highlights i think in this season so far everything i've watched before really does beat anything that i saw in the second season yes exactly i think they improved yeah so i'm trying to get caught up with Stranger Things, (laughs) I was telling you, you know, there's going to be two more episodes released that will round out the season. Mm -hmm. Um, I was watching the episode, like the last of the available episodes. I was like, oh, cool, watch this, I'll be caught up. I was watching it for a while, and I was like, ah, this is okay. And then I looked over, I'm like, my God, this episode is an hour and a half long. It's just, (laughs) God. I think one of the final episodes that they're going to release, they even talked about, they're like, the final episode is going to be two hours long or something. I'm like, why? I don't, my attention span, you guys. I just, and there was a scene in the episode that I was watching, the hour and a half one, where, um, what's his name, is talking in the prison and it's his whole speech and I'm watching it going, this speech is not necessary. You could have had him say like five or six words. It's the, I'm watching the Netflix bloat happening right there in front of me. I just, I don't understand why they do that. And they know people's attention spans are not what they used to be. So why would you have people do basically a movie length episode rather than just, I mean, this, the episode's are dropping like a regular TV show. Why not have regular TV show length episodes? That would make more understand. sense. It's like it's like longer is better. I have no <laughs> maybe in some things. I don't know, but not in this. So I don't. Yeah, I haven't finally finished that episode yet. Between that and watching all of the episodes in season two of Umbrella Academy, because season three has dropped, and apparently people are happy with how they treated um, Elliot Page's character. Oh, that's I'm so good. That, yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually been watching more of a season one and I just got to the part with um, number five and him talking about how when he was stuck in the future for so long and he, there was a woman that he was with who was named Dolores and then you see him later in the episode go to a department store that obviously is going to be you know blown to smithereens in the future and he walks to a specific spot and looks up and says hello Dolores and it's a mannequin and it's the sweetest thing ever because he obviously genuinely is in love with this mannequin that he bonded with over all that time so yeah yeah and you're gonna see a little bit more of that too and it does remain very sweet oh good just very yeah yeah kind of a little bit of a Lars and the Real Girl vibes on that one but yeah yeah. other than other than that just uh, Klaus the entire time I mean he's he's hiding in a wardrobe I think when number five is talking with um 
what's her name? Elliot Page's character in this? Vanya. Vanya, talking with her. And then she leaves, and then Klaus just comes out of the wardrobe and says, oh my god, I just loved all that stuff that you talked about, about family and time. <laughs> just the way the actor <laughs> delivers his lines is always He's perfect. Really, yeah, no. And, he, and it stay, he stays good. He's still my favorite character out of everybody. And I love everybody, but he's my favorite. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries, or fan art galleries. We need to do another fan art gallery. We have not done one in a while. We need to do that. We need to do one for... You know, you were telling me that um, League of Legends always has amazing concept art and fan art. So we need to do look up some arcane fan art, I think, because I'm sure it's going to be gorgeous. Yes. Or we could also do a Night Vale one, considering the fact that, you know, 10-year anniversary. We're a little late on that, but when are we not a little late on that? Oh, my God. And aren't they usually on hiatus in July? I feel like I was listening to an old episode the other day, and we were going, are they? Yes, apparently they're always on hiatus in July. And I'm like, okay, we'll this, see. Yeah, this would be a good time, because... <laughs> Garnet, we find ourselves a schedule and then something always comes up to throw a wrench in the schedule that we were going to stick to. Yeah, but next week we will be talking about the latest few episodes of Lore Olympus as usual, plus any other nerd stuff that comes along, all that and more, pixeladygeek.com. One way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Yeah, there really was.